Happy New Year and greetings to listeners all around the world. Welcome to Safe Dividend Investing's podcast number 149 on January 4th of 2024. My name is Ian Duncan MacDonald. In today's podcast, I will be answering nine interesting questions. The objective of my books, my website, and my podcast are to show those seeking financial independence how to become informed, confident, self-directed investors. Question number one. How do I recover from losing a lot of money in stock and option trading? This reminds me of the story of a man going to a doctor and saying, my head hurts. The doctor examines him and says, how did you get those bruises on your forehead? The patient cries out, I don't know, as he smacks his forehead in frustration. If you keep on doing what you are doing, you will continue to lose money in stocks and options. There are safe ways to make money in the stock market. Invest equally in 20 financially strong companies who have paid high dividends for the last 20 years, even through recessions and market crashes. Reinvest their dividend income back into the same 20 stocks. You should then expect to double your money in five years. You will hold these companies for the rest of your life. This is not an exciting way to invest, but it has provided me with financial independence for the last 20 years. Are you able to recognize financially strong companies? If not, go to my website or one of my books and you will find examples of strong stocks. I will email an example of a strong stock out on request. My investment books list a few hundred strong companies to be considered for a 20 stock portfolio. The 20 is important for providing diversity and safety. Out of the thousands of companies being traded on the two major stock exchanges, there are not many financially strong companies, but they do exist. You just need to be shown how to find them easily and quickly. Question number two. Should I borrow money to invest in dividend-paying stocks that pay a dividend yield percent higher than the interest percent I would pay? There are very few common stocks whose dividends are consistently high enough and dependable enough for such a gamble. Your lenders will make sure that you have enough equity to cover your loan. They don't care if you lose money betting that a stock's dividend payments will be a few percentage points higher than what you are paying, the lending institution. They will not hesitate in seizing what you have put up to cover your loan. You then can not only lose what you have invested, but the security you use to guarantee the loan would be paid. You are proposing speculative investing 
which runs contrary to the whole idea of investing in dividend-paying stocks. It is hardly worth the risk and effort. Just finding someone to lend you money at an acceptable rate becomes problematic. Thinking like this, I would wonder what kind of debt you are carrying month after month on your credit cards. With interest rates at 20% or more, getting rid of your existing high interest rate debts should be a priority before you invest. Question number three. How can you tell when a company's growth has peaked and it is now time to sell? A bell does not start ringing when a company's share price has reached the highest price it will ever achieve. No one can accurately predict the future price of stocks, or for that matter, dividend payouts. If you think that investing in the stock market is all about buying low and selling high, then the odds of you making money over the long haul are not good. Speculators are often motivated by herd instinct, motivated by the financial media promoting a rising stock. Often, they then see the share price plunge shortly after they buy it. They lose money and put the experience down to, that is the way stock markets work. I'll get the timing right next time. They fail to recognize that optimistic and pessimistic speculators bidding against each other determine share prices. It is the management of a company that determines the profits from which dividends are paid. Ignore the herd and the financial media. Systematically buy 20 to 30 of the best dividend stocks based on your logical research of their financial strength. If you invest equally in them, the odds are that your dividend income from them will remain as generous as my dividend income has been for the last 20 years. Most of these 20 strong stocks will have significant increases in their share prices and dividend payouts. These will not be dramatic, large increases, but over five years, your portfolio should double. The fact that you, not someone else, carefully chose your 20 stocks based on their historical strength will give you the faith and patience to wait for your reward. You will find that the dividend payouts will increase faster than their share prices. You soon recognize that what is most important is the increasing value of the total portfolio, not its individual stocks. There is no reason you cannot go for years without making a change to such a strong portfolio. Since you built this portfolio as a self-directed investor, it is not being drained by advisor fees, commissions, and transaction charges. When you eventually retire, Instead of reinvesting the dividend money back into the portfolio, you can now live on as much of the dividend money as you need. 
Question number four. Can you lose all your money as a self-directed investor if you invest only in penny stocks? You can lose all your money in the stock market even if you've never bought a penny stock. A penny stock is just a stock, like any other stock. At one time, a penny stock was one that traded for less than one dollar. However, the Securities Exchange Commission now consider stocks traded under $5 as penny stocks. There are still many stocks traded for less than $1, but you're not likely to find many traded on a major stock exchange like the New York Stock Exchange. Why should this matter? Major stock exchanges have a reputation to protect, as does the Securities Exchange Commission. To a certain degree, they try to protect investors from stock promoters peddling very speculative stocks. For example, moose pasture mining companies who have yet to dig a hole in the ground and likely never will, or software companies who have yet to develop the first marketable app. Stock market losses do discourage the public from investing, which impacts the investment industry's revenue and profits. If you are going to invest in a penny stock, it is wise that only those listed on a major stock exchange be considered. This ensures that you have easy access to audited financial information on the company. It also indicates that the penny stock has enough resources and ambition to pay the significant fees to be listed on a major exchange. A diversity of stocks in a portfolio is safe. A few of these could be penny stocks. Like any stock you buy, you must be very selective. The scoring system I use looks at the book values compared to current share prices. Current share prices are compared to historical share prices. Plus, dividend yields, dividend payouts, operating margins, and a few other factors. The scores out of 100. I avoid stocks scoring less than 50. In my book, New York Stock Exchange's 106 Best High Dividend Stocks, I found only two companies out of the 106 who were trading for less than $5. One was trading for $2.50 and paying a dividend of 14.08%. It had a score of 53. The other was trading at 4.04 cents and paying a dividend of 10.71. It had had a, it had a score of 43. Since the New York Stock Exchange is the world's largest exchange, it does not surprise me that I found only two high-dividend penny stocks. When I look at high-dividend penny stocks traded on the smaller Toronto Stock Exchange, I found 40 stocks out of the 215 stocks scored and analyzed in my recent book, Canadian High Dividend Investing. The highest scoring of these was a 52. It could be bought for $2.45 and was paying a dividend 
of 7.35%. Its operating margin was an impressive 42.65%. Its average trades in a day were 24,455. The reason penny stocks are less than $5 is because their shares are very thinly traded. For example, one company traded on the Toronto Stock Exchange that I'm quite familiar with trades at $0.04 cents a share. A typical daily trade would be 33,000 shares. Interestingly, the stock has a book value of $0.20 cents and an operating margin of 4.07%. It pays a dividend yield of 6.67%. In 2022, its share price was 11 cents. If you invested $10,000 in this four cent stock and it rose once again to its historical high of 11 cents, you'd realize a gain of more than 100% while realizing a dividend gain of $667. If you bought the stocks with US dollars, you would be getting about a 25% discount on the $0.04 cent price. What is the problem with making such a purchase? $10,000 would buy you 250,000 shares at $0.04 cents each. The stock is only trading at about 33,000 shares a day on average. Who is going to sell you 250 shares at that price? If you wanted to then turn around and sell those shares, who is going to buy them? A shortage of investors interested in a penny stock makes their price fluctuations very unpredictable. No one can accurately predict future share prices, but the lower the share price, the greater the risk. With a $100 stock, you may see a 1% fluctuation in price with millions of shares being traded because there is a strong market for such shares. With a four cent stock, your order may never be filled. Trading volumes of several hundred thousand dollar shares of a penny stock with a higher score might be a safer investment. Question number five. Is it a mistake to buy financially solid, high-dividend stocks whose prices and dividend yield percents appear to be stagnant? I have several banks whose shares I have owned for a decade or more. They have high scores. I've seen their dividend yields go from 3.5% to 7% and then back down to 3.5% over 20 years. However, their dividend payouts have steadily increased almost every year. An example of such a stock traded on the New York Stock Exchange and the Toronto Stock Exchange would be BMO. In 1999, the dividend payout was $0.23. Cents. By 2009, it was $0.70. Cents. And by 2019, it was $1. During the 2020 market crash, when the stock price lost about 30% of its value, they increased the dividend payout to $1.06. In 2021, 
its share price hit a, a new record high of $107.46 in 2022. The dividend climbed to $1.33 and the share price reached $136.21. The dividend yield goes up and down with share price because it is just a mathematical calculation. Bank stocks anchor my portfolios. The dollar amount of the dividend payout is what is important, not the dividend yield percent. It is what I pay my living expenses with. Such stocks are reliable. It is unlikely that there would ever be a need to divest yourself of such a stock. BMO is one of the top 10 safest banks in North America out of thousands of banks. Question number six. How much of a growth in dividend payout percentage over the last 20 years would you want to see before buying a stock? The percentage of dividend payout growth is not as important as just seeing a steady increase in the dividend payouts consistently over many years. The payouts may even remain steady for a year or two in a market crash. When you see a trend like that, you can be assured that the management of the company has made a conscious decision to raise their dividend payout every year. Dividend payouts do not just happen by chance. They are going to do whatever they have to do to maximize revenues and cut expenses so that enough profit can be realized to move their dividend payouts up. They know their shareholders and market analysts are expecting it. While their share prices may drop 30% in a market crash, they want to be able to say they increase dividend payouts. The management of a company has little control over what speculators do to their share prices. They can only try to influence speculators and analysts by increasing something they can control. Seeing management in control reassures you that this is a stock you want to own for a very long time. Question number seven. Do you only buy a stock when they are undervalued or when the price to earnings ratio is low? I only buy stocks that I have no intention of ever selling. Thus, it does not matter when I buy them because they are not going to be sold. This makes timing irrelevant. I have faith that in time, the stocks I choose will increase in value, no matter what I initially paid for them, and almost all of them do. I'm not speculating on share prices, ready to sell at the first big increase. The share price is almost irrelevant. The strange thing is, that while my dividend income is independent of the share prices, I do see stocks whose share prices rise often cause the management of the company to increase their dividend payout to keep their dividend yield percents steady. I also often see dividend payouts rising at a much faster percentage than the share price. My scoring system is a composite score. 
that takes into consideration 11 factors. Only one of these is price to earnings. It is just one more factor to consider. I do not look at price to earnings in isolation to the other factors. To me, a stock price is just a stock price. It is neither undervalued or overvalued. It is what it is at any given moment. A stock price is determined by optimistic speculators and pessimistic speculators bidding on a perceived value which is just their perception and often has little to do with reality. There is no set price that a stock should be. Question number eight. How important is the amount you have to invest? The amount to invest is largely irrelevant. What I believe in is diversity. When I was building my portfolio, I divided the sum of money to invest by 20. I determined that 20 stocks would reduce my risk in any one stock to 5% of my wealth. I then equally invested the same amount of money in each of the 20 strong stocks. I knew that I could not foretell the future, which meant I had no idea which of the 20 stocks was going to do better than the other carefully chosen shares. As dividends rolled in and I invested them back in those 20 shares, I did try to maintain this 5% balance. But it soon became impossible as some stocks doubled in value and others maybe gained 20%. Knowing that stock prices are cyclical, I still try to balance out how much I invest in each stock. You never know which stock is going to take a big jump in value. Question number nine. Do you have certain industries you prefer to invest in and others you stay out of? Due to my business and work experience, I like to invest in companies who work hard at maintaining loyal customers who buy from them repeatedly. This means I tend to avoid mining and natural resource companies. There is no loyalty in selling commodities. A barrel of oil is just a barrel of oil. Your barrel is no better than mine. The only difference is the price. I learned long ago there is always someone who is willing to sell what you are selling at a lower price. You want your customers to buy from you out of habit and inertia, lulled into thinking that you have always treated them fairly. You do not want them to be shopping for the lowest price. I also do not get involved with IPOs because to me, they are a speculative gamble. I want to see several years of profitable operations before I consider investing in a new company. The first rule in investing is don't lose money. The second rule is don't lose money. The value of my portfolio can go up and down by several hundred thousand dollars depending on the economy, but my dividend income keeps on increasing. I have learned that dollar value of a portfolio is interesting 
but not critical to my survival. I do not need more cash to live well. When you realize you have enough and your portfolio more or less manages itself, it removes much of the stress and uncertainty that so many investors have. Thanks for listening. If you wish more information on investing and stock scoring, please visit my website, www.saferbetterdividendinvesting.com.